up, beautiful humans? My name is Morgan, and I'm your podcast host. I'm a talk therapist by training and a practicing spiritual entrepreneur. I specialize in Reiki, tarot, and past life regression. In this podcast, I integrate both clinical and spiritual perspectives to best support you on your healing journey. Welcome to The Clinical Spiritualist. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Morgan Thomas and I'm so happy that you're here. I wanted to update you about a couple things with my business. Next Tuesday, December 21st, I'm hosting a donation-based group, Past Life Regression. So this is great if money seems to be a barrier for you um, because it is significantly less than my one-on-one Past Life Regression sessions. Um, Yeah, so this is a great opportunity to get this healing experience, journey into your subconscious mind with me, and let me guide you into your past lives and see what comes forward. Um, I love past life regression therapy. I'm really passionate about it, and it kind of found me before I found it. I really didn't know it existed until this past year, um, and I became trained in it. So I'm very excited to offer this modality. It surprises me every single time. So go check that out at my Instagram, clinical underscore spiritualist, just like the podcast without the the. And it's on Eventbrite. So donation based, pay a dollar, pay whatever you can, and I will see you there. So today I am talking all about generational trauma and body image. This is something that. I've been wanting to talk about for quite some time that has been sitting on my heart and very personal to me. Um, And today I've just been doing a lot of reflection about it because I've noticed I've been feeling uncomfortable in my body again. And as self healers and as people who want to do the work to heal their own stuff, heal their soul, heal their family line, Um, and heal the collective, I feel like we go through phases of things we need to work on. And so right now I'm in the phase of a lot of body work and tuning into my body and pleasure and how that relates to generational trauma. So that's what we're talking about today. I'd really like to start with just the basics of what is generational trauma. I've noticed that like self-healing and therapy and mental health is very mainstream, I guess, but I think we have to always go back to the basics and remember that not everyone is on the same page. Not everyone um, is following 8,000 therapy accounts and constantly, you know, learning about it. And so, yeah, I think starting from the basics and always with the assumption of like people, not everyone knows what these things are and that's okay because if I were to step in the field of engineering and someone were to say a term that is probably used a lot, I would need it to be, I would need it to be broken down. So generational trauma is trauma that we pass on from generation to generation. So it is very true that if our ancestors, even if our parents, our grandparents don't do the work, if they have unresolved trauma in their bodies, if they suppress things throughout their whole life and kind of never work on that, to heal that and to face it, it gets past the next generation. 
Um, and that can be in many different ways. It can be a learned experience. It can be a, a thought. It can be held in our bodies. Um, generational trauma is very complex. And while there are similarities and themes, um, I feel like it's also very individualistic to the family unit. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting the book that I read about generational trauma. Yes. Okay. It is, it didn't start with you, how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle by Mark Wolin, W-O-L-Y-N-N. And this book was really captivating to me. I read it when the pandemic started um, because I don't think this person has like a doctorate or anything like that. I know this person's educated and has done the research. I'm, I think I'm recalling this correctly, but I think it really speaks to how if we observe and using our intuition, we can really understand our family patterns and how this is passed down our line. And so today specifically, like generational trauma is such a broad term um, and that can be specific to race, to culture, certain races and groups of people have experienced really deep trauma on a societal level that is passed on and lived within people's bodies. And so when we talk about generational trauma, I want to make it known that it can be something that is perpetuated by the family system. So abuse or things like that, or it can be perpetuated by outside systems um, and outside people that have caused harm to families that have now, you know, they've internalized messages or um, physical pain. So again, it's very broad. Today, we're specifically talking about body image and what is body image, okay? To me, body image is how we perceive ourselves. It is our relationship to our body. And I really want to talk about the difference between body love, body acceptance versus body neutrality versus body hatred. I feel like body image is a broad scope and beneath that is like, you know, body love is like a whole movement of must love our bodies. We must love every part, love, love, love. And while I agree with that, and that is the ultimate goal, we are human with a shit ton of trauma and a shit ton of internalized messages. Body love is really hard to get to, you know, some days we can embody body love. Um, but I think the ultimate goal is a body acceptance or body neutrality. So body acceptance is accepting our body for what it is. So it's not saying that you have to love it. So for me, something I really struggle with is my stomach area and a body acceptance approach would not me being, would not be me falling in love with my stomach. Maybe some days, you know, maybe on those good days that I'm in a great mental headspace, but really body acceptance is, hmm, I'm noticing that I'm kind of getting uncomfortable with my stomach. Um, I'm probably uncomfortable because of other people's messages that I have internalized, but I'm going to accept that I feel this way. I'm going to accept my body for how it is. And I'm going to try to send it love, but I'm not going to force it. 
So that would be like a body acceptance approach, a body neutrality. Mm, I feel like a body neutrality is, you know, the word neutral. There's no really feeling tied to it. Um, it feels like an indifference to me of like, this is my body. I'm not going to love, hate, or whatever it, um, because it's, it's not here for to please others. It's here for my pleasure. It's here for, it's here to help, you know, other people. It's here to build a garden. It's here to have conversations with people. It's here to love people in the way I know how. So I feel like body neutrality is more like taking any sort of looks out of it because, you know, that's okay. That's a whole different topic. So, okay. So body love versus body acceptance versus body neutrality versus body hatred. So that is a different end of the spectrum is like when we hate our body and how this relates to generational trauma is that we don't grow up hating ourselves. Have you ever witnessed a one to four-year-old? Um, I mean, they're not tucking their stomachs in. They're not hyper aware of their body. They are aware of their body in the sense of like, oh, it's my hands. I use this for that. These are my feet. I use this for that. My tongue tastes things, you know, they're not aware of the societal conditioning, the family conditioning of like, oh, my stomach is over my diaper. (laughs) I must tuck that in because that means it's bad or gross. Um, We're very much taught from our family systems about our body image. So I feel like we we start out with a, a body neutrality, neutrality of like, we're just living. We want, we see a, a toy that looks cool. We go play with it. We see a cookie. It looks yummy. We want to eat it. It's just like very much going off on like human instincts that we're all born with. So then how do we learn about body image? Where do we learn you know, we have to stick our stomachs in that we're not supposed to have double chins, that we have to look a certain way that, you know, guys are supposed to be muscular and have, have little to no body fat. So obviously, you know, this is, this could be a whole podcast of, we learn about body image through society and media and the message that messages that we receive at a very young age, you know, girls, are thin and, or girls or people who are conditioned as women are thin and we wear pink and we do our hair and we do our makeup and um, there's really no room for exploration or what we truly want. It is, you follow this mold. And so, yes, we get all the society conditionings from that. And then also it comes from our family. What are our parents or caregivers doing? And this can be learned in two different ways through both implicit messages and explicit messages. So implicit messages are more of what the child is observing. And whether we know it or not, whether we notice or not, the people younger than us are looking at us and learning, especially children. 
and teens and preteens and young adults. They're looking to the older, older generations of like, how should I feel about myself? You know, because we don't, we, we are born into this world and we're like, hell yeah, we're here. We're ready to do all the human things. And then our brains start developing and we start internalizing these messages really on a subconscious level. We're not really aware that we're internalizing it, but it's happening. So an implicit message would be looking at your parents and seeing them tuck their stomach fat in or, you know, wearing a dress, but then um, putting on like, what are those things even called? You know, that like tuck your stomach in like body liners and stuff. And I'm not here to shame anyone's practice of how they dress, how they feel comfortable, how they move into the world. Um, these are just examples. And I very much speak from a like, not one size fits all. So someone could do this practice and it's really empowering and they learned it on their own and it's what makes them feel good. And someone else could be doing it because of an internalized message from a caregiver, you know? So if I say something that doesn't resonate, then just, you know, let it pass you by. So another implicit message would be watching your parent or caregiver intensely, you know, portion control. Like they're offered another role at the dinner table and they're very like, no, 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 nope, not having that. Um, and so you're, you're learning something from that. of like, huh, why is there, there was a strong reaction to when, they were offered more food. And I'm also not here. <laughs> I feel like I always have to give disclaimers because I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. It's okay to, to portion control. It's okay to want to eat healthy. You know, I feel like whenever the topic of like fat phobia comes up or body image there's this like knee-jerk reaction of like okay so we're all just supposed to eat what we want and never move our bodies and never work out and blah 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 no there's a balance here okay and again what works for you does not work for all and so some explicit messages that children and younger people or really anyone would get from their family system is looking at your grandma and hearing them say, oh, I'm getting fat. I'm not fitting in my jeans, jeans anymore. So then there's an internalized message, a very explicit message of what you hear is I'm getting fat and I don't fit in my jeans anymore. Okay. What's the emotion tied with that? Then emotion is disgust. That emotion is unworthiness. That emotion is, it's intolerable. Um, to have a bigger body outside of what you were, you know, two months ago. And so you, there, from that experience, you very much learned when my body gets bigger, the bigger my body gets, the more unworthy I am. And so it's very important. And I, I also think there are some gender roles here that women are people who are conditioned as women you know, learn from their mothers about how to feel about their body. But I, and I want to recognize that and honor that and think that's so important because women are faced with a more critical viewpoint um, from the world of how they're supposed to dress, act, and look. And I also want to recognize that other genders also get these messages 
um, as well. And everyone experiences some sort of body image. Well, I wouldn't say everyone experiences it. I would say everyone is mm, subject to experiencing body image issues from their family or society. So for me personally, there's like some, some examples um, of how you can relate it to your situation. For me personally, both my dad and my mom, like both my paternal and maternal side have really severe, maybe I would say the word chronic body image issues. And it's not something that I've ever noticed until the past couple of years, you know, when we go through our healings and our awakenings, um, it's, and especially with my education and counseling and learning about internalized messages and programming and, you know, soaking all of this, these messages up as a young child and holding on to them. And our brains have created pathways now to where, you know, if I viewed my grandma putting on her jeans and being like, well, I need new jeans and just kind of being neutral about it or being like, oh, I better go get new jeans. These don't fit anymore. Just matter of fact versus, oh, I'm fat. I don't fit in these anymore. And like having this sense of unworthiness. Yeah, there, there's a difference. And so, you know, if I, if someone would have viewed that in a different lens, the brain would have created a different story. Um, so for me, the body image and the generational trauma comes from both sides. Um, I know my dad really struggles with body image issues and it's nothing that's ever been explicitly said. It's stories I've heard from, you know, my mom about bullying that he, um, went through from people in his family about his body. And I don't, I'm sure it goes deeper than what I know, but I'm able to step back and recognize that because my dad used to make probably explicit, I don't remember, uh, or implicit comments about my body. Um, and what I've experienced as a child, it was very, it was nothing ever like your fat you're too big. You don't fit in those. Um, it was a feeling. And as an empath and as someone who's intuitive, you know, I, I didn't just arrive at that as a child. I was born that way. And even if someone's not highly sensitive or highly intuitive, whatever, I feel like we pretty much all are if we allow ourselves to tap into there. Um, just as children, we pick up on things really easy. And so on my mom's side, it runs really deep as well, which I'm more attuned with because I'm a little bit closer to my mom's side. Actually, I'm very much closer to my mom's side. And so I have picked up on a lot more generational trauma with body image. For example, the last time I was with my great granny, I love her so much. And, you know, and this is me not trying to shade my family. This is me providing insight so that you can work on this. If this is something that's coming up in your own life and rec recognition is the first step. My great granny made a comment about someone in our family 
and about how big they were. And that is something that really is strong on my mom's side is that they made comments about people's body all the time. A lot. I wouldn't say all the time. They make comments about people's bodies a lot. So, you know, whether it's about someone's outfit and it being too much or it being too sparkly or, you know, oh, they're getting bigger. They put on some weight. So it's messages that I picked up on that necessarily weren't directly at me all the time. But, you know, if someone is if someone that you love and care for and you look up to and you're learning messages from are making comments about people's body who pass by of like, oh, they're getting bigger. And you're recognizing that, oh, I've gotten older. My activity level's down. I've gotten bigger. My body is bigger. Then it's easy to relate that. And why wouldn't you? You know, that's how our brains work. And so I have just internalized so many messages from my family system. Um, especially the women on my mom's side. It's very much of like, it's a badge of honor to not eat a lot. It's a badge of honor to turn down like a, like a piece of pie. It's a badge of honor to not eat. (laughs) And I wouldn't say anything classifies as an eating disorder, but it's just like this, this um show that's kind of put on of like look at me I eat healthier I only ate one meal today but then it's also really contradicting because within my family systems on both sides food is like a very big family cultural thing that's how we connect that's you know recipes have been passed down that's my nana on my mom's side has always cooked you know breakfast lunch and dinner like had their like had her own garden still does things like that so it's very contradicting because like on one hand we all enjoy food we make it we create it we enjoy it and then on the other hand there's like this deep-seated hatred that everyone is feeling about themselves and towards others which let's just get this out of the way if you are having a reaction to someone else's body you have some internal work to do And I still do this because my conditioning is so hard of fat phobia is internalized. And I know you can't see me, but I am a size 14, 16, 18. I would say now I'm more of a size 16, 18. I can't wear a medium or large. Like my body is curvy. My body is bigger. I take up more space um, than what women are supposed to look like, you know? And I've always been that way. My body has been naturally bigger than my sisters. My body has been naturally bigger than most of my counterparts. Um, (laughs) because my family's like, my family's thicker. Um, and so the reason I, I kind of forget where I was going with that, but the reason I feel so inspired about it is because I feel like I've been, oh yeah, that's what, this is what I was saying. If we project onto other people, it's really how we feel about ourselves. And that is a red flag to look inward and be like, okay, where is this hatred coming from? Whose voice is that? Whose message, whose message have I internalized? Because like I said, we're not born hating ourselves. Like I have two little nephews who are so accepting and also just neutral and also love. (laughs) 
their body, especially my two-year-old nephew, he's just like, this is my body. This is what it is. There's no, um, <laughs> there's no, I saw no face, right? There's no like message tied to it yet. And I hope there won't be, you know, I hope that everyone in his life can do the work to make sure we're modeling, you know, body acceptance and, you know, working on internalized fat phobia. Um, so when I was with my nephew a couple months ago, I had, I was doing yoga and I had on my biker shorts and a bra and, you know, I have fat on my stomach and it makes rolls, you know, that's how bodies work. <laughs> and he was pointing to my body and he was saying all my body parts, Mimi's leg, Mimi's knee, Mimi's arms. And he points at my stomach and my lower body, my stomach roll, he said Mimi's tummy. And he points to my other um, stomach roll. He goes Mimi's other tummy. And it was so freaking cute and triggering at the same time. Obviously he was just observing. He's noticing that, oh, Mimi has rolls on her tummy and I don't have the words to describe what I'm seeing, but I know that there's one thing here and there's another thing here. <laughs> Poor baby. Um, but then it was triggering for me because there's messages tied with stomach fat. I've always been shown that you tuck it in, you hide it. I was always bought like a little bit not always. Sometimes I was, when my, me and my sisters had like a certain family member would buy us clothes. I always got the one, the clothes that maybe were a little bit more discreet or bigger or flowier. Um, because I know this person has internalized that if you have stomach fat or if you have fat, you want to hide that versus me. I'm like, Nope, I'm wearing my crop top. I wear my hygiene, like high-waisted jeans, I'm letting it hang out. Um, so yeah, I, my body has been a huge projection for my family members. Um, yeah, for I could name like six different people where my body has been the projection of theirs. And I remember one instance, my grandma, I was in the shower and she walked up to me and was like, oh, like basically like, you're looking thinner, which like, it was like a compliment. And she was like, your body really reminds me of mine when I was your age. Um, I don't really remember what else was said, but it was this feeling and this message of like, I've noticing that your body's thinner. I really like relate to your body and you're doing a good job by keeping it thinner. And so this has really damaged my self-esteem. Um, and I don't think it's really caught up to me until this past year. I think it's for a lot of different reasons. Um, I've been through so much personally that it de like the depression I've faced has definitely impacted my movement. You know, I'm still moving, but I'm doing more like restorative yoga or walks versus like you know, going to the gym or hit works out, hit workouts or whatever. And I'm not saying that to like justify or that I need a freaking reason, but why it's been so hard is that my body is probably the biggest it's ever been. And I'm also getting older. I'm more, um, 
you know, COVID's been hard, depression, et cetera, et cetera. When we face really hard times in our lives, like why would we want to go to the gym? You know, if we, if our basic needs can't be met, like you need your, you need your mental health to be okay to move your body, you know? So yeah, this has been really damaging for me and it has been for years, but I feel like this past year has been the most, like I'm really aware of it. I feel like my life has really slowed down in a lot of ways. I'm in a very like healthy, committed relationship. I'm working from home. Like I'm not in college and I've been in college the past six years. And so I have a lot of time on my hands. I have a lot of reflection on my hands and I've been doing a lot of healing and inner work. And I'm noticing that there is body hatred within me. And I'm a person who I've always worn what I've wanted to. I have like really challenged the status quo of what it means to be a woman. Um, I feel like on one hand, I am really confident and I love my body. And on the other hand, it's more of a performative thing because I've also learned, even if you hate yourself, even if you are disgusted with your body, you must not let other people know that. That is a huge thing. And so I'm learning that maybe I'm not as confident as I thought I was. And it's more of a performative thing because I'm also realizing that another, this is a different topic. Another family um, lesson I've learned is that you don't, you're not vulnerable and you don't talk about your emotions and you're always strong. And so even if I feel some type of way about my body, I'm not going to let Sally or Joe know about it. I'm going to rock the shit because I'm not going to be weak or vulnerable. Like, screw that. I'm powerful. Um, Just like, I was so inspired today to talk about this because I was sitting here at my desk and it's kind of happening now. And I feel hatred towards my body today. And that's really hard for me to admit. Um, It's not neutral. It's not acceptance. It's straight up body hatred, specifically toward my stomach. I'm bloated. Um, on my period, which whenever I'm on my period, I feel just a little bit mm, not good. I just feel not good. And I was sitting here and I was trying to like work this feeling away. I was trying to be like, okay, whatever. Don't listen to that voice. Just keep working, get your emails done, get your to-do list done. And I kept just trying to shut myself up, but my intuition kept saying, no, 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 no. We need to focus on your body today. We need to send it love because something's happening here. And I was just with family over the weekend and it's really hard just being with my family. I've noticed with my body because so many things have happened since I was a child that I've internalized. And I know that a lot of people in my family have their own self-hatred and it's been projected onto me because I've always been the bigger body and the more, um, here I am versus hiding and that triggers people. Um, and so, yeah, today I've just really noticed this and I, I just shut my laptop and I'm going to get even more vulnerable, vulnerable here. I shut my laptop and well, first I did meditation this morning. It was all about like positivity and like loving yourself. And then I, I don't even want to say it. Okay, I'm just going to. I got naked and I just started moving my body. 
I did some yoga moves. I did some dance moves. I like, I'm also a Reiki practitioner. I started putting like Reiki into my body, just saying a lot of affirmations, trying to release a lot of stuff. Actually really neat and wild story is that, so I've been Reiki one certified twice. Um, the first Reiki practitioner, she was okay, but I feel like I didn't learn a lot, but she still tuned me is what we call it in, in Reiki, which means that she like energetically filled me with Reiki so that I could be a Reiki practitioner. And as she was doing this, she, you know, when you're Reiki certified, your intuition really just kind of skyrockets from my experience. And when, as she was doing this, we talked afterward and she was like, you're worth, she was like, I was trying to put the symbols in your body, you know, energetically. She was like, it would not go into your stomach because you felt like you're not worthy. And so that message has really stuck with me is that there's a lot of self-worth and negative self-worth that is held in my stomach from all of the generational um, trauma everyone's experienced about their own bodies. And yes, I'm giving examples from my family. Yes. Do these messages, have these messages really hurt and impact me? Yes. But do I understand? Yes. And it goes even deeper. It goes into some sexual trauma. It goes into, you know, gender roles. Um, the violence that women have just experienced on their body verbally. And, you know, oh, I just got a really great, like, insight. When we experience such, like, it, I'm not here to blame or shame or be like, you know, I hate my family because of this. I love my family. And I understand. Um, but I'm also here to break the cycle. And for me, that is doing weird things like dancing naked and shaking out the hatred and then talking about it on a freaking podcast. Um, but the visual I just experienced was like, when we're told by our parents or our caregivers, which I know this has happened from my great grandma's line, or even obviously even further, she had to learn it somewhere when we're told that we're fat, that we're too big, that our bodies are not enough, that we're unworthy, that pain, especially as a child, is so freaking heavy and hard that sometimes people just don't have the mental capacity. And especially like years and generations ago, we don't have the, they don't have the resources. They don't know that there's an option to heal this. So instead of carrying this pain, instead of working through this pain, it's projected onto the, to the next child, specifically if it's a woman. And so this, this whole body image issue has been passed and passed and passed. And now I'm here and I've received it from paternal and maternal and I'm holding it and I'm holding it. And it's so heavy and I feel so much hatred. And like, I know it's not mine. I know it's not mine, but I also know that I have it and it's here and it's, it's present in my body and I'm not going to pass this to anyone else. Um, like I said earlier, I find myself projecting onto strangers on the internet. How are like some thoughts are like, how are they not uncomfortable in their body? If their body is similar to mine or bigger, how are they not uncomfortable? And that's my brain's messages that I've internalized is that being fat having fat, being in a bigger body is bad. And not everyone feels that way. That's just my lived experience. People have, who are in bigger bodies 
there are a lot of people who love their bodies and would not trade it. So that is my own bias that someone else would want to be different because there's a part of me that wants to be different. Um, so let's talk about, I think I'm going to have to make a part two on this. Let's talk about why it's important to heal. So when we have this self-hatred towards our body, it interrupts our pleasure. Yes, I mean sexual pleasure with ourselves. I mean sexual pleasure with other people. And I also mean pleasure of life. We can't play. We can't dance. We can't move how we want to if we are so hyper-focused on how our body is being presented. I have found myself, you know, wanting to be on the floor of the room with my nephews or with a child to play with them, to create. And I don't because I'm afraid of being perceived as bigger by other people in the room. So it interrupts our pleasure. Um, we can't enjoy our life if we're hyper-focused on our body. And let me tell you, if you're hyper-focused on your body, there's something deeper. There is something emotional that is happening. So, but so often we're so afraid to go there or we don't know to go there that we just stop and we're like, okay, how do we fix this so that I relieve some stress? So people diet extremely, people get cosmetic surgery. And again, you are in charge of your body. If you want to get cosmetic surgery, I will never say that you should diet hard, yada, yada, because that's risking your life and your health. Um, and eating disorders are very serious and more prevalent than we realize. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you want to get cosmetic surgery, awesome. I am asking to look even deeper and just make sure your why is because you want to and you feel empowered to do so and not because you hate that part of yourself and you want to, you want to make a quick fix because I promise you, it's not gonna, it's not gonna heal what is actually happening. You will just become hyper-focused on something else. And so we can't enjoy our life and, you know, okay, so I, I hate my nose. I go get a nose job. Oh my God, I hate my shoulders now. You know what I'm saying? There, and like, why? Because you weren't born hating that. So where's that coming from? I'm just, I'm just, offering that we dig deeper than physically like physically fixing because there's always something to physically fix we're going to age we're going to get different bodies in each season you know we could our bodies could change and something that my mom has always said that I really appreciated is that you know, your body could change in a second. You could get in a car accident. You could lose movement. You could lose sight. You know, you could, whatever, something big could change. So like, what is something that can't change? And that is your internal feelings. And so, yeah, that's important of why we heal this, why we actually look at it and why we dig deep, why I'm doing this really in-depth podcast today. And then how do we heal? So here are some tangible resources of how I've come up with how do we heal boundaries yes boundaries is a term that gets thrown around and gets thrown around so let me talk through like a spiritual lens in energetic boundaries I'm really working on this is that I can feel when people are judging my body it happens whenever I'm in a group of family space I know that they I watch them look at other people's bodies and go through their little list in their head of what's good, what's bad. I can see it. I can witness it. I'm hyper-focused on it. 
because I don't, because I know I'm being perceived in that way. Oh, she's wearing too baggy of clothes. She's wearing too tight of clothes. Her body's changed, yada, yada. So boundaries, energetic boundaries. I kind of try to do this thing where I encapsulate myself in a bubble of, of light. And this light is love. This light is pure. And their perceptions are bouncing back and reflecting back to them, you know? Boundaries. And also verbal boundaries. If someone is commenting on your body, don't let that happen. And I know that's easier said than done, especially if you're a people pleaser, especially if this is something where like it could engage a really heated environment because the family dynamic in your family is that people are allowed to comment on other people's bodies. So telling people that you're not allowed to comment on my body and I would appreciate if you didn't come on other people's bodies either. And from there, their reaction doesn't really matter. Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? Do you want to move yourself from the room? Um, but just letting it make known that like your body is not a place for comment. So then also, how do we heal? We lean into the discomfort. So today I was running away from the feeling of my stomach. I'm so hyper-focused on my stomach. And even as I'm talking, I am. Um, that I just like got naked and I looked at myself <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? And I could probably get a little emotional right now, but, um, childhood wounds were triggered. We lean into it. We talk to our inner child. We let them know that their body has always been more than enough and that it's other people's projections. So instead of running and trying to be hyper productive and focus on other people, that's another red flag. If you're trying to manage other people in whatever way, you got something going on internally. I do that a lot, especially with my partner. Sorry, Cass, love ya. Um, so we lean into it. And also the biggest tool and what I've done today is engaging in mindfulness. So being mindful that, okay, sorry, you can hear someone yelling outside my house. Being mindful, um, so if you're feeling overstimulated by family or something that's happened on a show, it's like recognizing what's going on in your body. Okay, let's take a couple deep breaths. Let's get up and walk. Let's remove ourselves from the situation. So often, especially if we're in like a little bit unsafe environments, it doesn't have to be physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe too. We dissociate, we bite, like we, what do I want to say? We like bite our lips through it. We like suck it up, you know, and just get through the hard moment of someone making a comment about our body, someone making a comment about other people's bodies. So engaging in mindfulness, tuning into where, what you're feeling, where are you feeling it at, and what you need to do. You know, especially if our trauma response is to freeze, it, um, mindfulness is going to be really important. So like rubbing your palms together, rubbing your legs, being like, hey, how are you feeling? What's going on in there? What do we need to do for you right now? Being your own best advocate. And I also want to say that People making comments, it doesn't have to be you're fat, you're bigger, yada, yada. It could also be what you're wearing. It could also be a slight comment about what you're putting on your plate. Um, and it doesn't always have to come off mean. It could be, oh, you're putting a lot of chocolate on there. There is where a boundary is good. Please don't comment on what I'm putting on my plate. You know, because there's, there's an obvious emotion attached to that. There's an obvious slight comment. And so I want to remind y'all that doesn't have to be outright. It doesn't have to be vicious. It doesn't have to be mean. Um, 
check in with the feeling of how you're feeling when someone says something and know that you can place a boundary because you deserve to be in safe spaces. You deserve to be safe within your own body. Your body is yours. Everyone else's body is theirs. So you deserve respect, love, and compassion. Thank you for tuning in to today. I don't even know how long this was, but it was an important conversation to have. Thank you for being patient, sending you love, and I will see you on the next episode.